You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. Today's episode is a really fun interview and I think I just really think you're going to like it. A fun conversation I had with a with an old colleague of mine. Her name is Talia Goldstein. Talia is one of the first people who I ever met in the dating love relationship industry. And we met back in 2010, 2011. You're going to hear a little bit of the story in just a second here. And I remember I reached out to her. We got connected. And I met with her for coffee in Los Angeles. And she was one of the first ones to offer me a opportunity to blog for her website. And it was awesome. And I felt so excited and just honored to be able to, to blog for a website that was pretty big at the time and only got bigger. And it's so cool because it's been a while since we have connected and I've only seen her company, which is now a matchmaking company, 3-Day Rule, grow huge. And I'm always hearing about it from wherever, people, ads. I see it all over the place, 3-Day Rule her matchmaking company. And it's just been so huge. And I thought, I got to get her on the podcast. I don't know why I haven't gotten her on the podcast up until this point. And it's been so cool to reconnect with her and share the story with her about how we first met and then go into a really fun conversation about what it means to find a good match. What does it mean to have a good first date? And then going into how matchmaking works and how she matches people up and the idea of how do you decipher someone who is a good fit for you. And then even better, we go into some information on what women are thinking of what kind of match they want. So you're going to get a real big insight into reality and how matchmaking works, how women are thinking, and how the whole process comes together. So even if you're not interested in matchmaking, and I know some guys are not into that, that's not really what this episode is about. It's just going to be interesting for you to hear how it works and and how these people get these people together, get you together with other women and and how it all works. So I think you're going to be entertained. I think there's some great info here. It's going to be really cool for you. And of course, if you are interested in doing some sort of matchmaking, I do recommend that you work with her. I'm going to leave a link in the show notes where you can click on it. And it's a referral link. So if you end up clicking on that, it basically shows her that you came from me. And like I said, I highly recommend it. And I think it's a great opportunity for someone so they can kind of skip the line of you know trying to figure out if the woman is a good match on a first date. It's kind of done for you. If this is not making any sense, you're going to hear all about how it works. And it's really cool. So either way, whether you decide to do matchmaking or not matchmaking, it's not really meant to convince you, but educate you and give you a whole new look into other ways that you can meet women. Of course, where do we do this? Online. We do this in person. We can also do it through a matchmaking company. And 3-Day Rule is one of the best ones out there. Maybe I'm biased. Like I said, she was one of the first people in the industry to help me out and let me blog for her. And, and of course, that's a huge way for me at that point to get traffic and to get more people on my, on my brand. So that was pretty cool doing that 10 years ago. So I think you're going to enjoy this. Listen to it. Get a fresh perspective on another way to meet women and see where it takes you. Here's my interview with Talia Goldstein, founder of 3-Day Rule. Hey, Talia. How's it going? It's good to have you on the podcast. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. It's it's great to have you back. I, you know, One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast was because it would just be interesting to talk to you not only about matchmaking and the fact that you've been doing it for a decade now, but the fact that you were one of the first people that I ever met when I was first starting Trip Advice. I think, I don't know if you remember the year. I know we remember the place. We met in Brentwood and we had coffee. Was that in 2011? Do you remember it that? It probably specific? was. It was either 2010 or, or 2011. Okay. Because that's, that's the year I started my business. So it would have been either 2010 or end of 2010 or 2011 where I was... I don't even know how I got in touch with you or the reason why I did. But I know that I was trying to just connect with people who were 
doing anything in dating. I think you were also giving dating advice at the time too, right? It was like dating advice and matchmaking. Is that right? Or Yes. Originally, 3-Day Rule started as a blog. So it actually was a city search for women. They would fill out a quiz and we would tell them what their type was and where to find him in, in LA. So they wouldn't have to run around to the bars where their type didn't exist. That's how 3-Day Rule started. And we did also have a blog section where we would give advice. Right. Oh wow. Okay. This is like nostalgic for me. This is all coming back. <laughs> that they would, they would try to find like the types of guys, right? Like they were different. Yes, we had what, all what different types. We had like the rock star. We had the Seacrest. He was a little more like, metro of a guy. We had the entrepreneur. Just I think there were about thirty different types of guys that you could get, and then we would list like twenty to thirty bars that your type would likely be at. So what happened to that? Why did that end? At the time, we were also doing matchmaking. And then we also began dating site. Ultimately, what we found out is we can't do everything. And so we had to focus on one thing and we decided to focus on matchmaking. Okay, got it. So then you just found that it was more successful doing the matchmaking. Is that right? At the time, we had the matchmaking, the city search, an online dating site, and we were hosting events. Oh, jeez. Right. I remember going to one of your events. Yeah. Yeah. We started with about 20 people and they grew quickly. So we had 300 people and then 600 people at these huge locations around LA. And it was just me and my business partner and it was just too much to handle. So we saw that this there was something really missing in the market and that was matchmaking. And so we decided to just keep the matchmaking and the events. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So I remember... Yeah. I remember that. I remember after we did some work together, which we'll circle back to in a second, I remember it started to become more of a matchmaking service. And I remember seeing that and I was like, oh, cool. It, it started to become more matchmaking. You guys found your niche in terms of what you guys were doing. Well, to me, it wasn't... I didn't understand that concept at the time. So I wasn't like, oh, they found their niche. I was just kind of like, oh, they really kind of zoomed in on what was successful, you know, and mm-hmm. it felt like you guys evolved. So it's like I, I saw this evolution. And then just from time to time, even now, I just hear about you guys all the time. It's like you guys have grown so big in the LA area and even nationally, I think it is, right? Do you mm-hmm. guys do stuff outside of LA too, right? Yes, we're in 10 cities. What cities are they or just a few of them? Sure. We're LA, New York, San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, DC, Philadelphia, Orange County, San Jose. And we're now launching San Diego and Dallas. Damn, all the big ones. All the big ones. That's great. So do you remember what do you remember from our conversation? Do you have any recollection besides the the time and the place? Like I just I'm just curious if you remember yes. no, what I, I was saying remember. to you at the time or Well, I remember that you really wanted to help men become better daters. And I was so on board for that. And I feel like you've always been an advocate for the nice guy, which, you know, especially in the work that I do, I really appreciate. So I remember having conversations and you were starting to blog and I said, write some blogs for, you know, you're welcome to write as many as you want for our members. And, And that was it. Obviously, you've done the same thing. You've been doing this for 10 years and we've both been through before online dating and and now with online dating, so much has changed. Yeah, I know. Because when we talked in 2011, and when I first was getting into TripAdvice, it was about a year and a half later that one of my friends texted me this girl. She goes, have you ever heard of Tinder? And I go, no, I don't know what that is. She goes, it's this new app and it's, it's dating. I'm like, what do you mean? And she goes, well, it's not like an online dating site. It's like you go through and you swipe. And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm in big trouble here because online dating... In my head, right, in this moment, I was like 2012, 2013. I was like, online dating just got way easier. And I knew that that thing was going to be huge. And I thought, wow. I was like, bad luck on my end. I just started this whole company teaching men how to meet women, mainly in person. And now these men are going to have no problem meeting other women online. So I thought I was completely screwed, which turns out it's not the case. I'm actually curious on your thoughts on that. Why do you think that's not the case? Like you still have a successful business with matchmaking, which is 
not online dating at all. And I'm still doing helping guys with in-person approaching and things like that. Any ideas on why you don't think online dating completely just took over everything? Yes. So I think online dating is great. It gives you access to millions of people you wouldn't otherwise meet. But there are so many added challenges that I actually think it's made dating harder than pre-apps. So for us, people are typically coming to us once they've tried the apps and they're exhausted and demoralized and so frustrated and they just want to outsource their love life to us. And so in some ways, online dating has been you know, the best thing that's happened to us because so many people are frustrated by them. Yeah, 100%. I have the same thing too. Is I love guys who come to me and say, I tried online dating and it's not working. You know, It's just like, what do I do? Well, I still help guys with online dating, but I don't think that that is the only source. I tell them, you can meet women in person. You could do matchmaking. You know, it, it's there's lots of options for you. Yeah. So, but yeah, I remember. So you let me blog for you. I was so grateful for the opportunity because you were the first person that I ever remember doing any blogging for. And I remember writing you guys articles. I don't know if it was like once a week or once a month or something like that. And it was just, it was a really great way to get my chops going and and just getting better at at giving advice. And so, anyway, I guess you know, moral of the story here is. Talia, thank you for giving me my <laughs> And it was it was awesome to do that. And just so cool that you and I can now talk 10 years later. Yes. And we're both still in business and and doing what we love to do. So it's pretty incredible. I'm so proud yeah. of everything that you've accomplished. Oh, thank you. Well, you as well. And and now I want to talk about that. So so now three-day rule. And so is it only matchmaking? Do you do anything with dating advice? I know some matchmakers do a little combo of both. Yeah. So our clients get a lot actually when they work with us. They work with a matchmaker. They get a separate person who's their dating strategist. We give them a stylist and they do a photo shoot. So we have new pictures of them. So for us, it's a really holistic approach and they get a lot when they work with us. So is it men who sign up? Is it women who sign up? I know that some of these companies, the men pay and the women are just in the database. Mm-hmm. How does it work? Or how is it structured for, for three-day rule? Yes. A lot of the matchmaking companies have that, I think, old-school structure where the, they only take on male clients and then they have women that are in the database. We take on both men and women. And actually, 60% of our clients are women. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So they're paying also. Everyone's paying. So we have there are two different ways that you can work with us. We have our free database where anyone can sign up for free to just be in the database and be potential matches for our clients. Or you can be the client yourself where we are proactively searching for you and sending you matches and you get the full experience. So you can either be a client or you could just be in, take the passive approach and be in the database. Okay, got it. Right. So if you're in this, so if you're in the database. You're kind of crossing your fingers, hoping for the best. It is someone that you might match someone else with, but there's no guarantees, it sounds like. Right. You might be matched in two months or two years or never. It's based on who we are working with at the time. So I always suggest if it's in your budget to take the proactive approach so that you are getting monthly curated matches based on what you're looking for. Got it. Okay, cool. So how do you do that? How does that work? How do you go through the process of finding a match? So let's pretend I come to you. I want to sign up. We work together for, you know, I sign up for like a six-month program. What do we what happens now? Like what what do you do with me? What do we uh, what kind of process do we go through and questions and things like that? Mm-hmm. So the first thing that you would do is you would meet with someone on our team, they're our new member strategist. They would get to know you and what you're looking for. And I'm part of that team. So our job is to make sure we can deliver. So we only want to work with clients that we truly feel that we can have success with. So if we believe that we can have success and you're interested in moving forward as a client, then your new member strategist would pick your matchmaker. So we're the matchmakers for the matchmakers, if that makes sense. And you would be assigned a matchmaker. That matchmaker will then get to know you a little bit more on a personal level. They'll go through a couple exercises with you. And those exercises are mainly to prioritize your list. So everybody has a list of what they're looking for in a partner. And our job is to help you prioritize what is going to matter in 20 years. We also know that attraction is 
critical. So we're gonna... I want to I want to stop you there because oh, yeah. that's really interesting. So let's go through that. So, so you're saying a guy says, "Okay, Talia, here's all the things that are important to me. This is what I'm looking for in a woman." And so you're going to say, "Okay, here's the deal. Some of these are important. Some of these are not. Is that is that how you go through it?" Yes, we do an exercise called three ten three. So we pick three must-haves. These are the absolute non-negotiables that as we're interviewing matches for you, no one will pass the test unless they've at least met these three things. What's an example of, of some of those that you've heard guys give before? They might say a healthy, active lifestyle. They might say wants kids. If there's a particular religion that's important to them, someone ambitious, so everybody's list is a little bit different. That's the great thing about matchmaking is it's pretty nuanced, but they'll pick the three things that are the most important to them. Anything really weird where you're just like, okay, this is really... You know, you have to do it for the client, but you, you don't really think it's a good non-negotiable? We have one right now that I think is pretty interesting, but it's so rare. It's someone who okay. wants the, the woman to be in the top 25 of something. The top 25 musicians or tennis players or uh, TED speakers. So he's very specific about wanting someone at the top, top, top of their field. But that's so rare. I would say the majority of the clients are coming in with pretty reasonable must-haves. Oh man. I hope that client has realistic expectations, which I'm sure you gave him. That, okay, we'll do our best here, but this could take a while. Exactly. That's what we had to do with him. <laughs> He's being very patient. You know, a lot of these people have millions of followers on Instagram. So it's hard for us to get in touch with them. But that's also very much part of the process is we'll reach out to anyone. We are absolutely shameless. So if we see your girl on Instagram or in Whole Foods or yoga, we are approaching her and we're asking if she's single. And it, they're so receptive, you know, especially woman to woman. They, you know, they trust us, and so then we get to interview them. And if they end up being a match, we'll set them up with our client. Wow, that's crazy! So you actually will go up to someone in a grocery store, like, "Hey, hi, sorry, you fit this bill for one of my clients." Yes, we do it all day long. So we're in wherever we are, we live our lives, and if we see a cute girl next to us, we're definitely approaching her. Or if we see someone on LinkedIn or Facebook, we will do the same. So what we do. Typically, we'll say, Hey, you are absolutely adorable. I'm sorry to bother you. I'm a matchmaker and I think I have someone who could be a great fit for you. Are you open to coffee? Are you open to chatting with me over the phone? And if they are single, they will absolutely do it because they're looking for love too. And part of the issue with online dating is it's hard for women to figure out who's safe. But when a friend is setting you up or a matchmaker is setting you up, we're vouching for you where you're advocate and it just feels a lot more comfortable for the woman. Wow. Do you have any stories where you actually approached a woman in a public setting and then you matched her with someone and then it worked out? So many. I mean, we do it all the time. My, one of my very oh my first God. success stories, she actually, I approached on Facebook. She went to Harvard Business School. She was absolutely adorable. She actually was on an early episode of The Apprentice. And I just saw her and I thought she could be a good match for my client. And I reached out and we met for coffee and she ended up getting married and, and having children. That was one of my very first success stories. So whoa, we meet people in elevators, really anywhere. Yoga, we've chased on a fire truck before. One time we saw... Um, we actually saw a guy at Chipotle and he was so cute, but he left before we could catch him. So we chased him down in our car and we approached him at his apartment complex, which I'm sure was illegal. But the point is, we will do anything to find the right match for our client. Oh my God. I'm imagining the scene where you're like <laughs> running after a guy or catching your butt. You're like, excuse me, sir. Yeah. We might have a good match for you. Are you single? It, you know, we, and like what? We will take every opportunity. I do it oftentimes on planes. I'll sit in the aisle seat with my cards. As, and as people walk by, hi, are you single? Hi, are you single? pass out cards because we can do it. I know it's so challenging for, for people to do it on their own, but it's so easy for us because we're doing it on someone else's behalf. Right. Oh man, it's, I feel like I should have one of my clients just work for you for a day. And so they can practice cold approaching people 
and being like, hey, what's up? I bet you now, I bet you at first it was probably scary. And now you're just like, I don't care. Like anyone I see that I want to talk to that could be someone that could be a match for a client, you just no fear, just go up to them and start a conversation. Yes, zero fear. We just did it for one of our female clients saw someone on TV. He was on a really popular show. She's like, I, I want that guy. And we approached him and he met us for coffee and we set them up. Like You'd be surprised at how willing people are to meet someone when somebody else is vouching for them. You're like Make-A-Wish Foundation for dating. <laughs> you know, the it. guy comes to you and is like, this is what I want. I want to this yeah. person. And you're like, your wish is granted. We will, we exactly. will find Exactly. We'll at least approach them. You know, we'll do whatever it takes. Right. Okay, cool. All right, let's rewind a little bit. So you talked about the three kind of must-haves. They have to have that. And that's something that a guy will list off. And then it went to 10. What was the 10? The 10 is nice to haves. So anything else that's a nice to have, you know, maybe it's a very specific age range or a height or a certain personality trait that you really appreciate. And we really will aim to get you all of your nice to haves, but we might not get all 10. So you get three must haves, 10 nice to haves, and three deal breakers, things that are no go. And that is the list that we use as we start to interview clients for you. So obviously, we're or matches for you. We're vetting personality. We're asking you to also send us photos of your exes or women you find attractive so we can see visually what your type is. And we're going to take all of that into consideration when you're in, when we're interviewing matches for you. So what is the difference between a deal breaker and a must-have? A deal breaker sometimes is... I mean, recently we've heard a lot of no Trump supporters. Like that would be a deal breaker. No smoking. Okay. Uh, no. Yeah, that was the drug. first thing I was going to say. Smoking. Yeah. Okay. But then nice to have. You know, nice to haves are loves to travel and enjoys animals and you know it really anything. Again, it's so nuanced. Everybody has a different list, but whatever really comes top of mind when they're describing their perfect person. Got it. Got it. No, that that sounds good. I mean, a guy comes to you, gives you the three must-haves, the 10 nice-to-haves, and then the three deal-breakers. And geez, if you can find someone who has the three must-haves and even has 20% of the rest of the list, to me, that's a good match, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. You know, it's like, if you get close to 10, which just sounds like you're saying you are, it's like, wow, that's a really good match. Right. And the great thing about it is by the time we present a woman to you, she meets at least your must-haves and some of the nice-to-haves. The matchmaker has determined that it's a personality fit. You know, We're spending a lot of time with these women. We're interviewing them and we've determined that it could be a, a compatible match. And the woman is excited to meet you. So by the time we set you up on a date, your job is just to go on the date. We've done all the work for you. And your job is just to go and see if there's chemistry. So basically, the job... This is what I would say to a guy. is like If a guy was working with a matchmaker and said, Trip, I got a date. Matchmaker got me a date. Like, What do I do? Like, How do I make this go well? My first, And I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because I'm sure you get this question a bunch. My first like off-the-cuff response is, just be normal. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like, you know, don't do anything that is going to make you look creepy or sound creepy. You know, don't talk too much, but don't talk, don't talk too little. Just work your way through the date, relax, breathe, and just try to have a good time and be normal. I know that's like funny advice, but what do you think about that? I actually think it's great because A huge difference in the dates that you go on through a matchmaker versus online dating is we already know that you're aligned. You don't have to ask all those questions about religion and kids and because you already know you line up. Right. So your job is to have fun. That's it. It's to go on the date and have fun, see if there's chemistry and just see if you're interested in a second date. That's all because everything else is already aligned. And then a huge bonus to working with a matchmaker is the post-date feedback. So in the real world, you go on dates and you don't really know what the other person thinks about you or how you were on the date. We know everything because the 
daters have to report back to us and tell us how the date went. And so we're really able to learn what our clients are like on a date and how we can help them become better daters because we have all the information we need. Got it. Yeah, that's, that is interesting. That is a really kind of lightweight way of going on a date. You know, it's like you already, you don't, like you said, you don't have to find out all that stuff. You know, all the deep stuff. Now it's just, let's have a good time and see what comes of it. Exactly. That's usually, I would give that advice even outside of a matchmaker just to go and have fun, but especially with this. Right. Yeah, exactly. It just, it's interesting though, you know, because I I tell guys on the other end, you know, because they're not using a matchmaker is, you got to be really disciplined in finding out if this woman meets you. I call them the three non-negotiables, which are mm-hmm. synonymous with the three must-haves. And I tell guys, you got to have three must-haves, non-negotiables. And it's your job on the first few dates to find those out. Because if you find those out too late, you've wasted your time. Or you've settled for somebody and it's going to end anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, So I'm on my end of things getting guys to play detective to find out what those are but at the same time not you know this isn't an interrogation so you got to got to have like a fun time on the date and relax and see if there's chemistry so if you're not using a matchmaker which most people aren't it's it's a lot of work on the guys end or the girls end just to find out what's going on with this person it's a lot of stuff and it, it seems like you take off more than half of that burden mhm right exactly and i agree Very with cool. your approach too yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, it's uh, it's a lot of work on on the guys, and I don't think enough people really think about that. I think they think, okay, I think this person's cute, and then they go on the date, yeah. which is fine, I but think, they let that drive them. Yes, I think essentially with men, with women, I think they have the opposite problem where they oftentimes they want to have all of the answers on the first date. And so they don't allow themselves to have fun because they're interviewing the guy to figure out, are they financially stable? Do they want kids? What about their religion? And so they're not as fun as they really could be on a date. So through the matchmaker, obviously we have all that info and they don't feel the need to to go through an interview process. But I think that ends up typically being an issue for women on the dates. Interesting. Okay, got it. So they're... It's like they're doing the thing that I'm trying to get guys to do, basically. Yes, it's, like, it's a balance. Find out what's going on. Everybody needs to do it. You need to get the information that you need, but you also need to make sure you have fun. Because when, especially when you're online dating, people are going on so many dates that it's also important to stand out. Or you're a boring date and you won't get a second date. So it's a balance of finding out the information you need while also having fun and making it exciting. Right, right. Dating's hard. It's a lot of work, isn't it? It is so much work. <laughs> so much work. It's, it's crazy. It's so worth it. You end up meeting the you end up appreciating the person you end up with so much because of the process. Yeah, totally. Because if you don't do that process, you'll end up maybe hating the person. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like, if you if you go with someone that's not a match, but you go with it anyways, you start dating and it gets into something long term. You know, that's. Uh, that's no good. Do you ever have guys that come to you or women, anyone who's just like, yeah, I want to use a matchmaker, but I'm not looking for a relationship or I'm not looking for marriage, like like only casual? Is that a thing? Not really in matchmaking. The people who come to us are looking for a committed relationship. Sometimes okay. they don't want marriage, but they're at least looking for a committed relationship. Oh, interesting. How many of those do you get? Not very many. And usually it's a second marriage. It's they've already been, they've been married before and they're really looking for someone for the next chapter, but they're nervous about getting married again. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. I'm curious. I want to dive now into some of the women's issues Mm because you're on the forefront of that. And I am not at all because I talk to mostly men in terms of what their issues are and that's who I'm helping. So for you, you know, you kind of dabbled in this idea of, women seem to go into a little bit of interrogation mode and you dial that back. What other issues are women having that you either see yourself mm-hmm. that they're blind to or just things that women come to you and say, I have this problem or this is an issue, this is an issue. Like, What are they saying and what are you finding there? Mm-hmm. I think a big issue 
especially for women, but also across the board, is they need to open their minds and recognize that their person might be coming in a different package than they're expecting. So especially for women, we have what our parents tell us, you know, who we should end up with. And we watch fairy tales growing up and romantic comedies and our list gets so long that some women come to us with a list of 75 things that they're looking for. And it's just really unrealistic. So a lot of what we do with women is we help narrow it down so their list is reasonable and they're really looking for what's going to matter in 20 years. And then also helping them open their mind on the dates and be willing to be surprised. So what we tell the women, if you go on the date and you are remotely attracted to the guy and he seems like a kind person, go out again. Because the luxury for women is that the chemistry can grow over time. So by the fourth and the fifth day, all of a sudden, he's the hottest guy in the room. Well, it's a good thing you gave him all those shots because he could end up being the love of your life. Where I don't think it works that way for men, or at least not as much. I think men typically know in the first couple of dates if they're attracted and interested in the woman moving forward. But for women, the chemistry really can grow over time. So we're oftentimes pushing our clients to give that guy a second or third shot. Interesting. Why do you think that is? I think that difference because, between men and women. I think men are more visual creatures. So they're going to know pretty early on if they're attracted to the woman. Where women care more about personality and how the man makes us feel. And so personality really can win us over. If we're sort of on the fence about his looks but his personality really shines through, all of a sudden he really can be the hottest guy to us. It just takes a minute. So when we judge too quickly and we don't give that guy a second or third chance, we could be really missing opportunities. It's so interesting, isn't it? That yeah, men are more visual creatures and women, while they are also attracted to looks, they could go on a date with a guy, see a picture of a guy that you might show them, be like, eh, it's not really my type. And you're like, just do it. <laughs> like, yeah. Just try it. And then the personality starts to, to shine through. It's, and... Yes. It's the slow burn. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I heard once, this is a great analogy. Men are like a light switch and women are like a dial. Mm-hmm. So men kind of more on and off. you know, And this can be sexually, it can be with attraction. And women they are like a dial. It's like it doesn't go from zero to 10 in a flick of a switch. It needs to be dialed up. Attraction takes a little bit longer for them. Yes. And I have countless success stories, like couples who got married through us, that the women told us they would have swiped left on the guy. They would have swiped right past their soulmate if they saw him on an app because it's so hard to judge someone by a photo and a couple lines. But when they're being matched through us and they're really going on that second, third, fourth date, then all of a sudden it's like a whole different ball game. So I think in general, online dating can be dangerous because we're judging too quickly and there's so much more to a person. Yeah, you're right. But there's just nothing you could do. You know, I mean, with that, it's like that's all you got with online dating. But of course, you know, you can go out and approach women. I always tell guys that that is another great way to do that. Also, you can be using a matchmaker. So right. there's, there's different, op- different ways to meet women. So you were saying earlier that a... You see, do you see, is it common that you'll see a woman who comes to you and has a, like an, an extraneous list, like a very long list that she's looking for? Is that what you said? Yeah. So oftentimes the women are the ones that have the long list. Men have a handful of things that they're interested in, but women can have very long lists. So we work with them. We do the same exercise, the 3103 to really narrow down what's going to be important. The women put on their list everything that they've ever wanted. And part of our job is to help them figure out what's really going to make a difference in the long run. So for example, if a woman is 5'1 or 5'5 or 5'8, Almost every woman puts down that she wants someone six feet tall. For some reason, that's what she's determined is attractive. 
We are able to explain to her that 14% of men in the US are over six feet tall. We're going to assume half are single. So now you've just narrowed your pool to 7%. And then you want to add Ivy League educated and a great family and perfect teeth. And you're now, you have hundreds of people in your city that are eligible. And they also have to be interested in meeting you. So when we're able to explain to them that all of these limiting factors just ultimately limit their pool, then they recognize why it's so hard to find somebody great because there are so few options. And then they can work with a matchmaker to figure out, okay, what's really going to matter? Because I can almost guarantee you six feet tall will not make a difference in 20 years. It just won't. You want someone loyal and caring and supportive. Those are the qualities that are going to make a difference. And once they realize that, sky's the limit. They have so many more options. I love it. You are the woman behind all the support for the men under six feet. A hundred percent. I mean, every guy I ever dated before my husband was 5'5". They were the funniest, hottest guys to me. It made no difference. I don't think height really matters, but it's just an artificial filter that we think does. Yeah, that's the problem, right? Is like guys hear that. They hear from women, I want tall, I want tall, I want tall. And while a woman says she wants a tall man, that doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going to attract her, right? Basically, meaning if you're not six feet tall and you go on a date with a woman, meet a woman online, uh, go up and approach a woman you still have a chance at attracting her even though you hear, I want tall, I want tall, I want tall. Also, I, I tell guys too, tall is relative. So you know, yeah, some women say six feet. Some women just say tall. It's like, well, if you're 5'10 and you meet a woman who's 5'2, you're pretty tall you know, right. compared, compared to her. And that's fine. But either way, point is, is if the personality goes a longer way and you're also trying to push that on them. Even though you know, it's like they know that, but they don't know that. Like Subconsciously, they don't know that. But you know, it needs someone like you to tell them, hey, there's other things that are going to be way more important that I promise you, you're going to be attracted to, even if he's not six feet. Right. And sometimes we'll even show photos of celebrities. Are you attracted to this guy? Are you attracted to this guy? And then after we'll say, every guy you picked was 5'7". Are you going to be open now to men that we send you who are 5'7"? Like they don't... They think that they need the specific filter. And part of that, I think, is online dating because you only get to enter in a handful of filters online. And so it sort of trains you to think that's what's actually important when it's not. You know, Or to think that you can just have whatever you want. So, okay, I'm just going to... This is what I want. So this is all the specifics that I want. And then, and then now that's in your brain. Right. It, it happens with age too, where you're online and you, you get to filter by a very specific range. Well, maybe your person's a year younger, you're older and you're missing out. So by limiting the search you really could be missing out on your person. Right. Exactly. I want to share something with you that's really funny that I think you're going to enjoy. So a friend of mine, a girl, we were talking, we were texting, and we were talking about like, oh, you know, she was, she's single. I don't know if she's single anymore, but at this point she was single. And I said, well, you know, what are you looking for? Like, what's your list? And she texts me. She says, my list is pretty funny. And I just said, go. And so she copy and pasted the most absurd, <laughs> longest list. I'm just going to start reading them just, just for, for kicks. I think you're going to think this is funny. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. It's very, the, the funny part is that it's long. Some of these are normal things that a person might want. The first one's hilarious. The first one is, enjoys his water filtered. That's the first one. Wow. Okay. So just get ready. Okay, here it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say him fast. Enjoys his water filtered, cleans up after himself, takes care of me when I have migraines, funny, smart, kind, listens to me, good slash healthy slash direct slash clear communicator, helps me communicate, says nice things to me at the right time, likes to ski, hike, outdoors, camps, willing to try new things, creative, teaches me new things, only wants to have sex with me, has healthy relationship with exes, healthy eater, not a picky eater, <laughs> likes to travel, has a job, is not obsessed with work, responsible drinker, takes care of his teeth, good driver, 
not manipulative, handsome, likes to read, traditionally or self-educated, street smart, has life experience, accepts me for who I am, was, and will be, likes good music, likes to dance, tells me I'm pretty, respects my family, likes my friends, is happy, wants to grow together, tries, is generous, honest, calmly calls me out when necessary, cooks, proud to be my partner, is my best friend. I'm going to stop there. I'm only a third. Yeah, you know what? On the way down. I thought I'm I was, only a third. After the first one, I thought I'm going to be shocked. That is a very typical list that we hear every day wow. from women. I mean, I get it. All these make sense to me. Nothing is like crazy, but it's just this is it's a lot. It's a lot. And sometimes we'll say to the women, write a list of everything that you are. Okay. Now you can only ask for that. You can only ask for all the things that you already are. And then when they are able to do that, sometimes that also puts them in check. Because sometimes, for example, women might say, you know, maybe they didn't go to the, the best college, but then they're asking for someone who's Ivy League educated. Well, if you didn't go to that college, you know, it's not exactly fair for you to ask for somebody who did. So, or at least they need to really understand why they're asking for that. Because it's very easy to just keep putting things on the list, but it's important to really analyze why you put that there. Right. That's a good point. It's like one thing to say, hey, I support Trump. I want someone else who supports Trump. Okay. Makes sense. You have similar values. Versus, I didn't go to college and I want someone who is, you know, Ivy League educated. It's like, whoa. Why? Why is it important? What's going on there? You know, it's almost like hypocritical in a way. Mm -hmm, Right. And a lot of times women don't really understand why these things are on their list. But for example, sometimes women will come and say, I want a man that makes a certain amount of money. But when we really dig deep, why and why this particular amount of money, at the end of the day, it really just comes down to safety. They really just want the guy to be financially stable. So it doesn't necessarily need to be the amount that they've come up with, but that's just what they they are looking for. So Right. Maybe they've exaggerated in their head because they think, oh, if someone's financially stable, they're making a half a million a year. You know, so they're just going to go to that extreme when it's like, well, a guy who's making $50,000 a year could be absolutely financially stable. Exactly. Right. Interesting. Talia, this was a, a great conversation. It was so fun to just get a peek into what I would say is like the woman's world in terms of what she's looking for in matchmaking, but also understand a little bit more about matchmaking. You know, you're not the first matchmaker that I've interviewed here in the podcast, uh, but it was just cool to dive in and get to know a little bit more of your process. And I'm, I'm not just saying this because I like you and you know we have this long relationship, but I really think that out of all the matchmakers I've talked to, you have like a really nice organic reasonable process that you go for. And uh, and obviously, it's worked very well for you because you've been doing this for a long time. So good stuff and just keep doing it. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, where can guys find you if they're thinking like, well, matchmaking sounds interesting. I might want to dive in here. Uh, what can they do? Don't we have a link actually? I think we have a, a special link from Yes, that. you have a special link. Definitely plug that. Otherwise, it's just three-day rule, the website, and anyone can sign up and have a conversation with a matchmaker. That part is totally free. So you have nothing to lose. You might as well get yourself in the system. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, we'll put a link there for any guys who are interested in that. I definitely recommend it as one of the many avenues to meet women. Of course, you got online, you got in person. But as you can see, there are specific benefits for using a matchmaker. And if you find the right one, which I do believe it is hard to find, but we found one right here. If you do find the right one, you'll be in good hands. So Talia, thanks again for doing this. I wish you so much more success and another 10 years in your business. And maybe we'll have you on again and further discuss matchmaking and all that cool stuff. So thank you. Great. Thank you. Well, there's a first for everything and there's a first right now. This is my first... Uh, epilogue, as I will call it, in terms of the podcast, meaning there is another part of this interview that I recorded after the original interview for a few reasons. So what happened was after this interview with Talia, she reached out to me and she said, you know, Trip, I feel like I didn't give the guys the full perspective 
on what it means in terms of what women are looking for when it comes to matches. She felt like she only talked about some of the superficial things. I didn't think so. I thought she covered a, a good ground, but she insisted that she wanted to either redo the whole episode or at least come back on and give some more information. I said, listen, I think the, the episode we did was fantastic. Let's, no problems, have you back on. Let's do a little bit more here and, and give some more info that you were really interested in giving. So what you're about to hear is part of the interview that happened about a few days later after the original interview. And we recorded it because she wanted it to come on here and just give you some more information. So it's again, a little bit more well-rounded. So you're going to hear from her and I again right now. Okay, Talia. Well, it's good to have you back again. We are doing a little epilogue here. And the reason why we're doing this is because you came to me you know, a day later or maybe even that, that night and you said, Trip, I feel really bad. I feel like I didn't really paint the right picture of what women are looking for. I feel like I only told them about some of the more superficial things, but there's more to it. So I said, well, let's have you back on. And let's talk about that. So that's where we are right now. So maybe you can tell us real quick, what is it that made you want to kind of re-say this or, or, or not re-say it, but add to this? And then you can tell us what it is that you want to add. Yes. So we've been doing this for 10 years and we've interviewed thousands and thousands and thousands of women. So we have access to what they're looking for. And I thought it would be worth it to tell your members what they are actually looking for. So it will help you become better daters. And I just wanted to make sure you didn't think it was only about money and height because at the end of the day, that's not what most people are asking for. So I wanted to just run through quickly you know, the top 8 things that women typically are asking us in their matches. Yeah, totally. And maybe just include all of it. I mean, if it is height, if it is money, success, whatever, just maybe... Yeah, just give us the full list of everything they're looking for. Sure. So yes... Usually what women are asking for are these eight things. Number one is financial stability. So we talked about that before. But what's important to recognize is you don't have to be rich. That's not what these women are asking for. What they're looking for is someone who has a steady career and who can pay the bills. So at least for the demographic that we're working with, these women are successful. They can pay their own bills. So they just don't want to pay for someone else's bills. They want to make sure that you can support yourself, she's fine supporting herself, and that you have a relationship that's relatively equal in that. And then they're looking for someone who's ambitious. So they want to know that you do have goals and aspirations, that you're working hard towards something in your career that is really sexy to them, a man that has drive and ambition. And then oftentimes they're asking for men who have friends. You know, they want to make sure that you have a social circle and that you're able to maintain relationships. That says a lot about a person. So you don't have to have a million friends, but they are asking for someone who has a handful of friends. And then communication is key for so many women. They want someone who has the ability to communicate, especially about their feelings. And alongside that, a growth mindset. So that has been coming up recently, really over the last couple of years. Someone who's interested in continuing to grow, to learn about themselves, become self-aware and grow individually and also as a couple. And then almost every woman we speak with asks for someone confident. That is key. But what's important to realize is that it doesn't have to mean life of the party or someone outgoing or extroverted. It can even be a quiet confidence. They're just looking for someone who's comfortable in their own skin and confident, but it really can mean a, a handful of different things. So if you're not life of the party, don't stress, but it is important that you, you are comfortable. And then someone who takes initiative, especially in the beginning stages of dating, these women are in control all day at their jobs. They can plan the date. They really can't even pay for the date, but they don't necessarily want to, especially in the beginning stages. So they're looking for someone who's going to court them to take initiative, plan the date, and pay for the date even though they really can afford to. At least in the first few dates, they really would like to be courted. And Why do you think that is? They really want to step into their feminine. 
and they're looking for someone masculine. And so that shows masculinity that you take initiative, that you can plan, that you can pay. And then they're happy to reciprocate after they've seen that. But it is really important in the beginning stages of the relationship that you show that sort of dominant side. Yeah. No, I say that too. It's more of a representation of what it says, not what it actually is. Right. You know, so that same idea represents that more dominant side, which is attractive to women, less about they're looking for free stuff. Exactly. I never hear from a woman, I want a free dinner. You know, that's really not what it's about. They're looking for a true connection. And especially for us, we're working with a lot of busy, successful women who do make decisions all day at their office. And so they want to come home and relax and have someone else do the planning. And then finally, just if they want children, they're asking for someone who also wants children and is family-oriented. So that's typically the list. Of course, you know, kind and loyal and supportive. And sometimes it is about height. But the majority of the time, that list is what the women are really looking for. And an easy way to remember is the women really want to feel these three things. And one of our matchmakers, Devin Simone, coined this. They want to feel safe, special, and sexy in that order. So at the end of the day, that is really what they want to feel. And I know you you read off a list that your friend sent you. And I thought about it after. And that's really what she was asking too. I know it sounded like a lot of things. But at the end of the day, that's really what she was looking for. Someone to make her feel safe, special, and sexy in that order. Yeah. No, you're right. If uh, Just off the top of my head, because I've read the list a few times because of how funny it is. Everything will fit. Everything sounds like it fits in there. Except for the um, water filter. Water filter. (laughs) Yep, exactly. But yes, most of that stuff is about safe, sexy, and you said supported and special. I don't know why I said supported, but that's a good S too. That's a good one too. Uh, So, well, supported would be in the probably in the safe or the special. Yes. Probably probably in the safe. Those three are also really important to remember, especially when you're online dating. You know, the first thing that they want to feel is safe. So, you know, if you're sending her a dick pic or something inappropriate, that's not going to make her feel safe and she certainly won't respond to you. So think about that, especially when you're online, what stages in order to, to get to that sexy phase, you really need to make her feel safe and special first. Yeah. When you say special, what does that mean exactly? It means that she feels special around you. It's a feeling that she has. So you're making her feel special. Maybe that's by one of her love languages by complimenting her or doing something especially for her. That might even mean when you're reaching out to her online that you're looking at her profile and writing something very specific to her. It's not just a copy and paste message. So she feels safe. She feels that you are genuinely interested in her and that she's amazing and you're excited about her. And then the sexy part. Got it. Got it. Cool. Talia, I'm I'm glad we could do this. You, you this is the first time I've ever had a guest back on <laughs> days later. I know it's not the gonna be feel like that for the guy who's listening because it's just a continuation of the podcast. But um, it's cool that you really cared enough to come back and do this. And I wanted to give you that uh, that chance to do that. It's funny because when you said it to me, I didn't even think about that. I was like, yeah, I guess we talked about height and we talked about money, but I feel like we did talk about some other things, but. You know, I think uh, I think it was good at least to hear the full list, and I think it's really not only interesting but helpful for guys to hear what's going on and in more of a well-rounded aspect. So I appreciate you wanting to do it and just doing it in general. So thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad we got to do it. Me too. Well, okay, lots more to say, I'm sure. Again, for the second goodbye, thanks again. And I'm sure we'll have you back on in the future to talk more. So thank you. Sounds great. Thanks.